everybody, thanks so much for tuning back into the Car Tech Garage. Uh, my name's Wes. And my name is Max. And we're going to talk about cars. <laughs> Just like every other time. Now, and this is not our, our normal early morning podcast. So. No, no, it's not. Not not at all. In fact, uh, so forgive us beforehand. As a preface to this, I will say we are in a different studio. Max is, has recently renovated his home, and we're still in the process of building a studio. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been exciting, so it's probably not the perfect, but... Yeah, not, not perfect something audio get out quality of the box. by any means. A little bit more different, but, you know, it's not 8 o'clock in the morning, and I've, I've had plenty of coffee today. I'm like, I'm already, I'm already ready to go. It's not first thing <laughs> where I'm going, all right, what were we talking about today? Ready to rock and roll on this week's <laughs> In to Drive or Not to Drive, the cars we love and the cars we don't. Now, in this one, I wanted to do another kind of head-to-head because there, there was a weird car that occurred to me that um, I wanted to talk about and talk about some of its flaws, some of its, its um, I guess, um, you know, attributes that were a little bit redeeming. And then I thought, what car really compares to that one? I was like, well, I've got the perfect, the, the perfect <laughs> setup. So today we're going to talk about the Hillbilly Hot Rod and the PT Bruiser. We can't. Yeah, I mean, okay, there are good names. <laughs> I but, e, but I like, I like the the HHR. So we're talking about the HHR and PT Cruiser. And one of the funniest parts when Wesley first brought this up, like let's talk about it. I looked at him and said, "You know, the first time I learned what an HHR was," and he said, "No." I said, "So I had a customer come in one day, walks in the front door, and hey, I'm bring I'm bringing my Chevy to you." I was like, "All right," you know, just totally not sure. not sure of who he was or anything. It was first time customer, and he goes. Yeah, I got my hillbilly hot rod out here, and I'm completely lost for words. Like, there's very few moments in in the business that I'm lost for words, and I'm just completely, I must have looked like, I don't know, like I was clueless at that moment in time, and I said, um, which car are you bringing in? You know, trying to be very nice, because my hillbilly hot rod, my HHR, and I looked at him. I am literally almost in tears, because I had never heard that before. Hell yeah, brother. I'm like, Hey, Billy Hot Rod, that's that's fitting. That is fitting. God made Chevrolet, all hell praise Dale. <laughs> so and they made the the hillbilly hot rod. So in between that, I know that we make up fun little names, but the PT Cruiser and the Chevy HHR. So it really came down to which retro styled wagon is worth buying. Oh, and and also just to give a little bit of a tidbit here because I love adding this part. Both of them are available with a manual transmission and. A spoolie boy, a turbocharger. Yes. Um, and that's what, that in. And this is truthfully one of those cars that we typically wouldn't talk about because I can probably say neither of us would be like, yeah, PT Cruiser, HHR. That would not be on our list ever. That would not be a case. But comparing these two, it's a perfect comparison of what kind of cars they are. I mean, to a T. Exactly. And a lot of it depends on what you really need it for. So let's start off with, um, with the PT Cruiser. Okay. So not a bad car because there are very few bad cars. You know, ultimately every single car that's ever been on a roadway is, is frankly an engineering marvel. The fact that it's able to take us from point A to point B and all we have to do is put gas in it, change oil tires and brakes every now and again is pretty darn special because cars of yesteryear used to have all sorts of uh, unbelievable issues. You know, a car would last 60,000 miles and you'd have to give it up. But pretty much everything like Max and I usually say from the late nineties on tends to be a little bit better. Now, I think either one of these are worth driving in terms of to drive or not to drive. That's a whole nother concept, but the PT cruiser. 
and it's and it's one of those cars that uh, like I always laugh about the PT Cruiser because looking back in history, I mean, when it first came out, it was very sought after. Mm-hmm. You know, it was there before all of these like mid slash small size SUVs or crossovers, yeah, whatever the crossover craze. I will dub it the go. crossover craze. It really is. And it was a car that, you know, nowadays you look at it and you're going, I don't see any of these on the road anymore. That thing's ugly. But at the time, I mean, it was a perfect vehicle. Think about it. You know, if you didn't want a minivan, you didn't want a large SUV, you get a PT Cruiser. It's still a car, still gets relatively good gas mileage on paper. And you could carry a bunch of stuff, so it was perfect. Yeah, and it's still easy enough to park, easy enough to drive. It's not very intimidating in terms of its size or or anything like that. And frankly... It doesn't look terrible. Even by today's standards, if you see a PT Cruiser out, it was, even though it was styled in the light of a, a retro type of inspiration, um, the car has actually aged kind of well. Now, I don't think it's held up as well as we would have liked, <laughs> but the car stylistically has aged better than a lot of people thought it would. And that's what I will say with the PT Cruiser. Like the biggest thing about them is if you still do see one on the road, I would say nine times out of 10, it's because that person loves the PT Cruiser. They've dumped a lot of money in keeping it for longevity. You know, the first initial time frame of, of keeping the car wasn't terrible, but keeping these on the road towards a 200,000 miles, you had to be a very much lover of the PT Cruiser in order to do so. And I even, we've had customers nowadays that are putting heads, engines, I mean, oh, major well. <laughs> work into it. Let's pump the brakes before we get on that. So <laughs> the PT Cruiser have, had a pretty good run. It was, it started out in 2001 as a 2001 model year, ran all the way up until 2010, over 1 million sold in the U.S. alone. Most of them manufactured in Mexico, some manufactured in Austria for the European market. But it was the same platform as a Dodge Neon, meaning it had that same 2.4 liter engine that every other Chrysler had it in at the time. Now, they did offer a turbocharged model in the Chrysler PT Cruiser GT. It was essentially the same setup as the SRT4, but obviously detuned not as much of a hot wagon as we would have liked. But nonetheless, it was 235 horsepower, ample torque, and it had some punch. It truly did. We have to give it credit where credit was due. Now, the big issue with this. And that's because we know what's on the dark side of the curtain. That's because we have had the bumpers off of this thing. We've had the whole front Mm -hmm. end off to put radiators on a back flushing the heater course and dealing with head gaskets. We've put cam and cranksters in these things. We've had the hardest timing belt jobs of our entire lives trying to do this stuff. We've had (laughs) to replace the AC compressor. We've had to replace all the lines, rip out the dash to put in evaporator cores. And what else? Engine mounts, and mind you, and through this whole experience, you know, a lot of cars are, are not so easy to work on. The PT Cruiser is one of those cars that they, you can tell, designed the engine and then created the body to fit like a glove because, oh, it's never going to fail. We're not going to have to service that. And then when you finally do have to service it after years and years later, it's not an easy feat. It's one of those that you're kind of fighting it the entire way. <laughs> now, that being said, it's kind of one of those similar situations to a Jeep because, you know, all of the mechanical shortcomings be damned. If you want a Jeep, there's nothing but a Jeep. There's no alternative. There's no real alternative to a PT Cruiser except the the Chevrolet HHR. Now, the HHR was also styled in that early 50s vintage kind of look, you know, the the curvature. Now, I think the PT Cruiser was a little bit more aggressive in its 50s, you know, um, homage that it was paying. I'd give that. That's a good 
Dude, good description. That the HHR dude. still kind of kept that same design philosophy where it, it certainly didn't try to look like it was from next year. There's no question at all. And then the HHR, it's it's one of those cars that, as I said, the story, you know, when I first learned what an HHR was that I didn't know, and it was quite entertaining. Um, but it's just one of those cars that's really ugly, but over the years, <laughs> like I just, I'll say it outward. <laughs> that it's really ugly, but if it's a case where you're using it for a certain, certain need, um, you know, it makes sense. Like they make a very base model with a, a nice interior that has absolutely nothing in it. Where if you're a, kind of a trades guy and you just want to throw some tools in the back, some paint, yeah. you know, whatever. It's that a is perfect one thing because the PT Cruiser never actually made a panel van and the Chevy HHR did make a panel van. Um, so I guess, like I said, that's kind of all came to, it all comes back to the, what are you using the car for? If you are the type of person that just wants to take a nice Sunday drive in a more comfortable vehicle, because let's be frank, the PT Cruiser, and you would agree, it is more comfortable to drive in. It's a nicer place to be in and spend time in than the Chevrolet HHR. It is. It's a little bit more luxurious. It has better interior options. It has a better overall interior fit and finish. And frankly, I think it has slightly better drivability, a little bit less suspension noise and things like that. Now, if you're the type of person that gets wrenching, you do a little bit of DIY here and there, you're probably going to prefer the HHR just because it's a little bit easier to work on. It's a little more common in terms of its design philosophy. You know, things are more or less where you expect them to be, where that's not at all the case on the BT Cruiser. Um, and again, if you maintain it, it can be pretty well. Now, the HHR does have its issues, as we explained with the PT Cruiser, that has its. And that's where, like, the two cars that both of these are based off of, one, you have the Dodge Neon, which I would put at the top of my own personal list, is one of the worst cars that I, <laughs> like, just one of the worst cars overall. They're just not from that a, bad. They're not, but from a drivability, like, just driving the car, don't like it, don't like working on them, anything about it, where the HHR shared a lot from the Cobalt, which wasn't a great once, car either. Once again, I would put pretty close to that Dodge Neon. So, I mean, they're the basis for both these cars were off of really bad cars. Mm -hmm. And once again, that's very biased in my opinion, but they try to make them cool. And like, I give both of them a lot of credit because they made something different, but at the end of the day, it's still a neon and it's still just like a cobalt. Now, here we go. Redeeming qualities for both of these vehicles, Frank, because they both are owed it. Ample use of space, pretty cheap buy-in. Frankly, the PT Cruiser for what you get out of it, for the amount of heads that it still turns today is pretty darn good especially mm -hmm. for the price. And we can't discount the fact that both of these came with a sport-oriented option because we here at the Car Tech Garage absolutely love going fast. Even though we try to give you repair tips and give you advice to save as much money as you can with your daily personal transportation, by the way, that's what PT Cruiser actually stands for, personal transporter. I think that makes oh, it even God. more boring. Sorry. Okay, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but... The fact of the matter is that both of these cars are pretty cool. They make great use of space. They're pretty easy to drive. You can get into them cheaply. And if you maintain them well enough, they can do well for you. Now, again, both of them, when you go over bumps, it sounds like a bag of hammers. The interiors don't hold up as well as you'd hope, especially in the HHR. The PT Cruiser always, have shift, always has shifter problems and a plethora of cooling issues. And the HHR has timing chain issues out the wazoo. Now, no car is without its quirks, its quandaries, its problems. But if you can find it in your heart to love one of these old retro wagons, 
you might just enjoy it. And I agree with that statement hundred percent. You know, we, we of course tell you what we do like, what we don't like, but this is one of those cars where it's kind of a, I hate love relationship where I can understand from somebody that really likes the car, look, likes how it looks, you know, it's, it's different and also sees some, you know, positives in it. I can understand why people like these cars. You know, you don't see many on the road. They're, they're not a, I don't know, something that you would want to go and pick up 90% of the time. But the people that do drive them, they love them. They keep maintaining them. They dump, I mean, who knows how much money into some of these cars. But at the end of the day, they, they really like them. And it's one of those cars, as I said, personally, I would pick the HHR because I would throw, you know, some fishing poles in it or, you know, throw a kayak on the roof, not care if somebody dents it while I'm at the grocery store. And if I'm driving in the middle of the night and a deer runs out in front of me and I totaled the car, I'm really not going to be super upset if that car gets totaled and I see a purpose for it. It makes a lot of sense. But from a, if I'm buying a new car or something, I really like styling, you know, longevity of it. I don't put either of these on the top of that list. You know what one of my favorite things about automotive culture as a whole is? What's that? The cult car culture. Now, here's what I mean by that. Every single vehicle that's ever been manufactured, as bad as you think it is, is someone's favorite car. (laughs) I'm dead serious. It is. It it took me a long time to learn this, but I've realized it. I just thought some people were just a little, you know, out there, a little just kind of either, you know, they needed to get their vision checked or, or what the case was. <laughs> no, you just have these people that love these cars and you have to respect them. That's exactly. what kind of as at age I've learned, but like, it's just, it blows my mind sometimes where, you know, like the, what is it? The Chrysler Prowler? Yeah. Plymouth you know, the, Prowler. Yeah. The Plymouth Prowler, not the Chrysler. Like people love those things where we were talking about, what is it? The SSR. Yeah. Yeah where we had a meet in Cincinnati and, and we both drove on the highway around the same time. And there was like a hundred SSRs mm-hmm. driving down the highway. Like Pintos, like there are huge meets for Pintos and you, in the UK, there's huge meets for Reliant Robins, which is a car that's known for <laughs> rolling over and killing people. Like everybody's going to like something. And, and, and it's the same way with this PT cruiser and Chevy HHR. It's somebody's favorite car. It reminds me a lot of cars of the eighties, for instance, like the DeLorean DMC 12 awful yeah. car. And for instance, like the Cadillac Alante, we were joking around about that earlier on the radio show. Have you guys ever heard of what the Alante Airbridge is? Oh, wait, the Alante Airbridge. <laughs> it's not a car. It's not, but it's something that cars traveled along. So back in the late 1980s, Cadillac had come out with their new Alante model. They were trying to freshen up their image and bring in a younger demographic. And what they thought was that maybe they needed a little Italian design flair. So they contacted the company Pininfarina. You guys have probably heard of it. They've designed Ferraris, Maseratis, and all sorts of gorgeous cars, some of the most beautiful ever to grace the road. Now, Cadillac struck a deal with Pininfarina to design a brand new Cadillac body to be mounted onto what was essentially their same old North Star frames, frame V8s and everything else. Like it was essentially a very similar underpinning. Now, it wasn't a terrible car, but it certainly didn't sell well. So, the whole concept of the Airbridge is that the design of this car and the building of this car took place in two separate factories. So what happened was they started out building the body in Turin, Italy at the Pininfarina factory. 
they customized 747s to bring as many of these cars as possible over to America to fit them with powertrains, interior, subframes. They shipped them back over to Italy to have the convertible tops installed, which leaked. That was actually one of the main downfalls of the car. And then they flew them back over to America to hit showrooms. So that entire you know, plan, that entire organizational nightmare was the Elante Airbridge. And the Elante flopped so hard. They were expecting to sell three times the amount of cars they did. Back in, ni- in, the late, in the late 1980s when it was for sale, this thing was 60 grand. That's crazy. I see. I just find it funny because obviously being on a plane so much that the sales basically called Mayday <laughs> on the whole deal where they just sunk. Where you would think, you know, it, it has that inspiration. It has all this extra added to it. No, it just went down just like a plane would. Exactly, you know, yeah. There was no interest Exactly, in losing altitude very quickly. We yes, said on the radio show, show that, that the best thing out of that entire thing was the 747s. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, that sounds like the truth in that scenario. And I think that about wraps it up. But thanks so much for listening to this week's To Drive or Not to Drive, the cars we love and the cars we don't. And thank you f- to everyone who has supported the Kartik Raj up until now. We will, of course, can uh, keep as best to our ability delivering content for you guys. And we really appreciate all the feedback. Yeah. 